Continuing our discussion on the third chapter of the Gita, we are on page eight, verse number nine, where Lord Krishna said, Yajnathat karmanyatra lokoyam karma bandhanah tadartham karma kaunteya mukta sangas samachara Hey Arjuna, when you perform an action in the spirit other than yajna, this is how Lord Krishna says, when you perform an action in the spirit other than yajna, yajna means offering, offering of oneself. So may your action become a means of offering yourself, making your contribution, participating in the scheme of things, that is, that process is called yajna. <clears throat> when an action is performed in the spirit other than that, meaning that you are not a participant, you are not a contributor, you do not offer, you have the opposite attitude of grabbing instead of giving, consuming instead of contributing, self-centeredness instead of selflessness, Instead of helping, serving, reaching out, you are always seeking advantage of others. If this is your attitude based on self-centeredness, we always look at your own personal interest and sometimes even at the cost of others. Lord Krishna says that kind of an action is binding. Understand that is not the action which is binding or doing anything, it is attitude behind the action that binds or frees you. So Lord Krishna is teaching us what kind of attitude we should entertain in order to move in the direction of moksha which is our goal. If that is become clear, if artha and kama are the goal, then this will not work. Meaning that if you want to maximize profit, 
you want to maximize pleasure. If that is the uh, goal in your life, then this Bhagavad Gita is not meant for that. But there is a value that there is something beyond this comfort and pleasure. As Swamiji will also uh, elaborate, there is something beyond that. Swamiji mentioned the word moksha and he will explain that. But he said yesterday, moksha means freedom. Freedom from all inner presses. Freedom from likes and dislikes. Freedom from all compulsions. Freedom from all inner pressure. Meaning that I am free to do what I want to do and not what I am pressurized to do. Sometimes we feel that the outside world pressurizes me to do things. But really it is my own likes and dislikes or my own impulses which pressurize me to do things. And when those impulses are there, then alone the world can pressurize me. I become vulnerable when I am controlled by attachment and aversion, so likes and dislikes. I am controlled by anger and greed. Then I become vulnerable. That is when the world is able to affect me or pressurize me. <clears throat> so freedom from all kinds of pressures. But basically freedom from inner pressure of those impulses, strong cravings, temptations, greed, anger, strong desires. Freedom from all of this is called moksha. Then I am free. Free means then I am able to do that. That freedom will be described in subsequent verses. What is meant by freedom is that I do not have to worry about what others will think. I do not have to worry about whether uh, I will benefit from this action or not. I don't have to be anxious, worried at all. There is no sense of hurt. There is no sense of guilt. Because I am in tune with the order. So whatever I do is automatically in keeping with the order. Automatically what is right. And therefore, there is nothing to worry about. So this is freedom. Moksha does not mean that a person doesn't live the regular life. He continues to live the regular life. Except there is no fear. There is no insecurity. Not all the time, I mean, wondering as to what will happen. All these kind of questions are not there. This is called freedom. If that is our goal, but that is what we want. As we said the other day, nobody wants even money for the sake of money or pleasure for the sake of pleasure. Nobody wants anything for the sake of that. One wants whatever one wants for one's own sake. I want wealth for my sake. I want name and fame for my sake. And what is meant by my sake? For my happiness. For my freedom. This happiness and freedom or happiness or freedom is what I am seeking through every endeavor. If this becomes clear to me, then I realize that it is not the end which is the freedom or moksha is the most important thing. If this is clear to me, and it is also clear that, that freedom is my own nature. And the important thing is that moksha or freedom is my nature. It is not something to accomplish, it is something to be uncovered. Something that seems to be veiled right now has to be made manifest. Like in a, in a rough stone, there is a very beautiful image, let us say, of Lord Krishna in the stone, but it's not, not evident. It's there but not evident. And what a sculptor does is, he removes the extraneous cover, 
that veils that beautiful image and brings to manifestation what is already there. A sculptor does not produce or create something new. He just brings to manifestation what is already there. And so also in our life, what is to be done is bring to manifestation what is there. That beauty or the freedom is my nature. And what covers it? These, these likes and dislikes, these impulses, in fact, they veil that, cover that. Therefore, life should become a process of getting rid of these obstacles of likes and dislikes. So all the impulses are reduced to these two, attachment and aversion, likes and dislikes. That includes everything, including anger also, jealousy also, greed, all of these are reduced to these two. So they are the things that actually deny me the benefit of what I am. They do not let me enjoy the true nature of myself. And thus, the cause of, as we said in the beginning, is the cause of sorrow is nothing but in my, with me. What causes sorrow to me are the attachment I have, likes and dislikes. And therefore, let karma become, let every action become a means of getting rid of dislikes and dislikes, rather than accumulating more likes and dislikes. So Lord Krishna says that, if you perform any action with a self-centered view, with an attitude of grabbing, with an attitude of exploiting, with any action prompted by your greed or jealousy or whatever, then that action will only increase likes and dislikes. It may bring you the material goods that you desire, your action may do. At the same time, it also brings likes and dislikes. So these likes and dislikes find a very convenient atmosphere to breathe when in the atmosphere of selfishness or greed or temptations. So these are the thing, this is where the likes and dislikes grow like bacteria. So Lord Krishna says when you perform an action in the spirit of yajna, in offering, likes and dislikes are removed. And that's how you proceed in the direction of freedom. On the other hand, you perform an action with, by greed, by anger, by jealousy, by selfishness. Then, you know, as far as the world is concerned, your actions will be alright. They may bring you the result that you want in terms of the material gains, but they also bring in the further likes and dislikes. It adds to the bondage. So self-centered action is a means of adding to the bondage or dependence. Selfless action is a means of creating freedom. So the basic teaching of Bhagavad Gita, yajna, yajna means an action performed with other-centeredness. Action performed, paropakara, for helping others, serving others, reaching out to others. What Swami said, compassion. Reaching out. When an action is performed out of compassion, it will automatically be yajna. Because when there is compassion in the mind, then the well-being of the other person becomes very important to you. And when you do something out of compassion, you'll do it for the well-being of the other person to whom you have the compassion. That's your contribution. But I don't have compassion. So Swami said, fake it till you make it. What does it mean? It means that you act as though you are a compassionate person. As though. And what would you do if you are kind and compassionate? 
What would Swami do if he was in my place? Oh, he, Swami says, whenever I meet somebody, the first thought in my mind is, how can I help this person? Okay. So, even if that uh, inspiration does not come to me, I can will that. Meaning that, by will, I tell my mind, that look, you are going to help and not hurt. You are going to reach out and not exploit. You are going to give and not grab. So every time the mind comes up with the idea of grabbing, I replace deliberately the attitude of giving. Every time the mind wants to take advantage or, or exploit, I deliberately place there the attitude of helping, reaching out. So that would be called a action performed in the spirit of yajna. And this is a means of moksha. By bringing about purification of mind, that action becomes an indirect means of moksha. So knowledge is the immediate means of moksha and karma performed in the spirit of yajna becomes the indirect means. <coughs> and Lord Krishna describes in the subsequent verses, in the verse 10, for example, page 9, Sahayajna prajasushtva purovacha prajapati anena prasavishyadvam eshvostvishtakamadhuk. Lord Krishna says, in the beginning when prajapati, the creator, when he created the human beings, created human beings along with this yajna, the spirit of yajna. So along with human beings was created the spirit of yajna or offering or reaching out. <clears throat> because other living beings did not need to be told. They automatically conduct themselves such that their conduct is in harmony with the ecological order or with the universal order. So they do not have to be told to be in order. They automatically are. That's how they are programmed. Human being has a free will. Therefore he needs to be told what is right for him and what is wrong for him. Because by making right choices, I can help myself. By making wrong choices, I can hurt myself. That being the case, I must conduct myself in such a manner that I help myself. So in order that human beings help themselves, that grow, become happy. Here, Lord Krishna says that the spirit of yajna was created when the human beings were created. And Brahma, the creator, told them, O human beings, anena prasavishyadvam, may you prosper, may you grow and prosper with this yajna, with the spirit of yajna. What is meant by yajna? Next verse is, devan bhavayatanena te devaha bhavayantuha parasparam bhavayantaha shreyaf param avapchata. Anena devan bhavayatanena by the yajna may propitiate the devatas. That's the conventional meaning of the word yajna. So what is being done right now in the home building is called yajna. Where you kindle fire in the altar, invoke the devatas, make offerings with chanting of mantras. The offering that you make in the fire reaches a particular devata or deity to whom it is offered. So thus we are propitiating devatas by making offerings in the fire in the yajna. However, 
This word devata and deva need not be confined to deva only. What Lord Krishna says that you propitiate all the beings who play a role in your life. So Vedas explained to us that five kinds of beings play a role in our life, five kinds of living beings contribute in our life. The devatas in the, in the form of the cosmic forces, such as the sun, moon, fire, water, earth, etc., all these are called devatas, their contribution in our life is very clear to us. Earth contributes, water contributes, fire contributes, air contributes, sun contributes. Their contribution is very clear to us. Meaning that we are always the recipients of their favor. And therefore, you should also perform action to propitiate them. Because they are propitiating you, you should also return the favor. Along with Devatas, there are other living beings also who have an important role to play in our life. The other category of living are the rishis or the sages who have given us the knowledge from the Vedas and many other scriptures plus all sciences and so all these sages and teachers and thinkers they are also they also have an important contribution in our life by way of contributing to the store of knowledge. So you must also propitiate them, keep them happy, make them happy or do something by which they will be happy. So how will the sages be happy? Well, they have given you this... See, when you write a book or publish a book, what will make you happy? So you profit, that's another thing. But generally, what will make you happy is when people read your book. The purpose of writing a book is so that you seek to, you seek to contribute into the understanding of some people and when they study the book and get the understanding, that is when you're happy. So all the sages and the scientists and teachers have given up this whole store of knowledge. When would they be happy? When we study them and benefit from them. So study the Vedas, study the scriptures and thus try to implement them in your life. Teach others also, pass on this knowledge to others, they'll be very happy. So let's recite all the Vedas, studying this Vedas, studying Bhagavad Gita, Upanishads, whatever, all of this is part of propitiating the Rishis. The third category of living beings who have contributed in life are our parents and our ancestors. They have given us a body, they have given us the samskaras, the, the culture, and so we are indebted to them also. So, propitious, make them happy. What will make the parents happy? Be a good child, that's all. Parents always want to see the child good person. No, Swami, my parents want to see me as a doctor. Now, that may be a different thing, but at least become a good person. Sometimes it's difficult to make parents happy. If the demands are not reasonable, if, an, if the demands are reasonable, well and good, they're sometimes not reasonable, that, that's a different matter. But in general, serve them. So do your duty towards them and towards their ancestors also by making offerings of the shraddha, tarpanam, etc., that's the third kind of living beings. Fourth kind of living beings are all the human beings. Like the farmers have a contribution in your life, like the dairyman, like the postman, like the teacher. Everybody has contribution in your life. And therefore, they also should have a place in your life. Therefore, feeding the people who are hungry, offering shelter to those who need that. This is the way of 
our contribution to the needy human beings. And fifth set of living beings are the cow animals, plants, trees, and all other insects also directly or indirectly contribute in your life. Therefore, their well-being also should be in your mind. <coughs> so they want, so may you propitiate all the living beings and they'll propitiate you. This is the, Lord Krishna is simply explaining the obtaining order in the universe. The obtaining order is one of interdependence, mutual helping. You help them and they help you. Nobody can live without receiving the help. And therefore, it is only appropriate that everybody should also reach out with help. Parasparam bhavayantaha, thus propitiating each other, shreya paramavapsyata, we attain the highest good. You want sarga, you will get that. You want moksha, you will get that also. Ishtan bhogani vodhyavaha dasyante yajna bhavitaha. Propitiated by our offerings, those devatas, other living beings, will give you the desired results. If you want even material end, like wealth, name and fame, that also they will give you. So this is yajna, where we make offerings and we receive the return, favor in return. And that's how Lord Krishna says, maintaining the spirit of yajna, you will prosper. The prosperity comes through the fair means. You can gain both the material prosperity as well as the spiritual prosperity by the process of yajna. Meaning that this act of offering is done with a desire for reward, it will give you material prosperity. It's done without desire for reward, will bring you spiritual prosperity. And so you do. So this is Bhagavad Gita's prescription of prosperity in the society. How a society can prosper? If society as a whole or largely maintains the spirit of yajna, it does, later on it will be told how prosperity comes to us. <clears throat> if somebody drops out of this process of contribution or participation, simply takes advantage of whatever fevers he is receiving, keeps on consuming, Lord Krishna just stay in Evasa, he is a thief. Because he is in fact robbing away of what belongs to other people. He is not contributing to them, not giving their share. It is like a, a corporation making a lot of profit and not sharing with shareholders and you know, direct, diverting in some other ways. That will be called theft. And Lord Krishna says that if you also just enjoy the benefits without returning the favor in your life, you are a thief. Yajna shishta shinasantaha muchyante sarva kelvishaihi bhunjate te tvakham papaha ye pachantyatma karanat. On the other hand, yajna shishta shinaha. Those people who only consume what remains after the giving share to all these shareholders or stakeholders. So these five kinds of living beings are the stakeholders in our life, or shareholders in our life. So make offerings that in fact belong to them, and then what remains, you enjoy. Yajna shishta ashinaha. Shishta means what remains after performing yajna. Enjoy what remains. 
Muchande Sarva Kilbishahi. These people become free from all kilbishas or all sins. Bhundate de Tagham Papaha Ye Pachandi Atmakarad. On the other hand, those fellows only cook for themselves, meaning that those people who know in whose life there's no nobody else has a place. They cook for themselves in what? In the life, nobody else has a place. Even parents have no place, let alone anybody else. What to talk about a needy human being? What to talk of animals? What to talk of plants and vegetables? What to talk of devatas or pitrus or sages? Nobody has a place. Bhundyatete agham papaha. These fellows are sinners and they only are consuming sin. Ye pachanti atmakaranat. So, Lord Krishna said here both the advantages and disadvantages. Advantage of living a life of yajna, how it brings about happiness, prosperity in our life. On the other hand, violating the spirit of yajna brings about all negative consequences and therefore suffering. <clears throat> so understand this one simple thing. Happiness is simply a function of the state of mind. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has only to do with what you are. Happiness is a function of what I am and not what I have. So Lord Krishna teaches there the, the way of becoming happy. By constructing our mind. Like a sculpture which brings about the beauty from the stone. So also we make our mind beautiful. And what's the way of making mind beautiful? By observing the spirit of yajna. Offering, contribution. As Swamiji says, be a contributor, transform yourself from a consumer to a contributor. A consumer is a life of bondage and there was sorrow. A contributor is life of freedom and there was happiness. <coughs> Now let us continue the verse 14. So this much we did in our first retreat, okay? So if you wanted to listen to these verses in greater detail, you're welcome to get the, uh, you know, the, the series or whatever. And from now on we will continue our discussion, the 14th verse. In the next two verses, how come Lord Krishna prescribes yajna? A spirit of offering as a means of happiness and freedom. How come? That is because the universe is designed around the spirit of yajna. A cosmic yajna is going on. The whole cosmos in fact functions in the spirit of yajna or offering or participation. We pointed out how a yajna is going on in our own body. How different limbs and organs in our body also are constantly contributing for the well-being of the self. As you say, right now these words are being heard by you. Your ears of faculty of hearing is hearing these words. For whose sake? The ears or the faculty of hearing is hearing these words for themselves? No. The ears do not hear words for themselves for the sake of the self. The eyes see, not for the sake of themselves, for the sake of the self. The mouth eats, not for its own sake, for the sake of self. Thus you see that 
every limb, every organ, every cell of the body in fact functions for the well-being of the self. Everything offers itself for the well-being of the self. So thus a process of offering is constantly going on in our own body. Only question can arise Swamiji, if you all keep on offering what will happen to us? But when there is offering you also get, as we said, there is a mutual helping and being helped. So where every limb of the body offers itself, it also gets nourishment from the body. And thus every organ and every limb is helping as well as being helped. In, in uh, Ramcharit Manas, Tosidasi uh, gives his example. When the younger brother Bharata goes to the Dandakaranya to request Lord Rama to return to Ayodhya and assume the kingdom, assume become king, Rama says, no, I cannot do that because I have, been, I have, to, I have the vow of spending 14 years in the forest, I cannot come back. Now the kingdom belongs to you. You should rule the kingdom. Ultimately, Bharata agrees. Rama, Lord Rama is able to persuade him and Bharata agrees. So while departing, Lord Rama gives him this advice. What is the uh, duty of a king? He says, look, the king is like the mukha. Mukha means mukhya. Mukha also, mukhya means principle. In our body, this this Mouth is called mukha because it enjoys the principal place. In what sense? So the king should be like this mukha. How all the subjects in fact serve the king. So also all the limbs in the body serve the mouth. How is it so? Now you go to shopping center, your legs take you there, your eyes see some nice vegetables and fruits etc. The speech communicates to the vendor. What surprise, of course, here you don't have to do that, but in India we have to do that, you know. What surprise and bargaining and whatever. Hands and pick up the things. You bring everything home. Go to the kitchen. Cooking. Again, all the limbs participate in the cooking process. Food is ready. All of this is done for whom? For mouth. The mouth is fed. So hands, legs, eyes, ears, all these organs are doing what they are doing for feeding the mouth. They are all subjects. The mouth is like the king. What does the mouth do? Does it keep all the food with itself? It does not. If it keeps on one grain of food in course of time, it will get rotten. So mouth does not keep anything with itself. It masticates and sends all the food to the stomach. Stomach also doesn't keep the food, itself, otherwise there will be lots of problems. So stomach also digests, converts the food into rasa. Energy is distributed to the whole body. So ultimately the benefit of the food comes to all the limbs by way of the energy that is supplied to the body. So each one becomes a contributor, each one also becomes a consumer. Each one serves and is served also. In this system it is very difficult to say who is a master and who is a servant because everyone is servant also and everyone is master also. So that's a beautiful system when there is cooperation. If there is competition, this body cannot survive even for a day. 
if the legs compete with each other, right leg says, I want to go forward, left leg says, I want to go backward. One eye says, I want to look this way, other eye wants to look that way. It won't work. If, if you are walking, suppose your foot is injured, the hand says, what do I care? No. The rest of the body cares. Right away, caresses the foot, takes care of it. If the eyes are in danger, right away the hands come and protect the eyes. Eyes also take care of the body. They tell, look, come on, when you're walking, see there are thorns there, there is a pothole there, there are stones there, take care. So how every limb is contributing? This cooperation, contribution, yajna is going on in our body. A similar yajna is going in the whole cosmos, where every element of the cosmos also contributes. That kind of yajna is described in the next two verses by Lord Krishna, pointing out as to what is it that keeps the whole cycle of creation functioning. What is it because in the, in the administration of Ishvara, everything functions systematically. Ishvara is the greatest manager because he managed the whole cosmos so well that everything is in harmony. There are no fights in there. The different stars, there are star wars, but stars don't fight. Sun and moon, the planets don't fight. Nobody fights. Everybody cooperates. There is no competition, but cooperation. That's what is described in the next two verses. Let us read verse number 14. Annad bhavanti bhutani Parjanyadanna sambhavaha Yajnyad bhavati parjanyaha Yajnyah karma samudbhavaha So your Lord Krishna just draws our attention to what's going on in the universe. Annat bhavanti bhutani Bhutani living beings are born of food. It's a well-known thing. Food consumed by parents, of course. You are not born directly of food, but then food consumed by parents, turned into blood and semen. So annad means food that is consumed by the parents. From there, a child is born. All living beings are that way. You can say they are all born of food. Parjanyat annasambhavaha. And then the food is born of what rain? So from the rain, again, the food is born. That, of course, you don't require Bhagavad Gita to say no this, because this is something well known to us. So first, Lord Krishna draws our attention to what is known to us. Do you understand that beings are born, they grow, and they ultimately merge into food. Without food, there will be no life. So life is possible because of food. So you are able to live and function because of food. So thus food is most important. How is food possible? Because of rain. Without rain, there will be no food. That also is clear. The important thing is, what brings about rain? Lord Krishna says, Yajnyad bhavati parjanyaha. Parjanya means rain. Means cloud also rain. So Yajnyad bhavati parjanyaha. The rain is born of Yajnya. No, this is uh, scientists, well, this is superstition. What do you mean rain is born? We know how rain is born. 
you know, we know the mechanism of rain. Maybe they did not know those days. So what Lord Krishna says, rain is born of yajna. Yajna means what? The spirit of offering. So when you perform any act in the spirit of contribution, it's called punya karma. It's a virtuous action, punya karma. And that produces also a subtle effect called punya. Punya means virtue. So whenever you perform an action in the spirit of contribution, offering, out of compassion, out of charitable and you know instinct, that action is called punya karma, a virtuous action. It produces punya or virtue. So Lord Krishna says yajna. Here by the word yajna is mainly punya that is created as a result of the yajna. From punya karma that is created from the yajna, the rains come. The rain can be here looked upon as a sign of prosperity. Because in those days of agricultural society, the whole life depended upon the rain. So rain is nothing but the sign of prosperity. Lord Krishna's prosperity in a society is the result of punya karma. If the society as a whole lives in the spirit of yajna or offering and thus generate a whole storehouse of punya, that punya actually attracts the rain or the prosperity, the punya attracts the prosperity to the society. The society becomes prosperous because of yajna. Because of living a life with the spirit of yajna or offering. You can imagine if a large number of members of society, they function in the spirit of offering. So that is how the Vedic society is organized. The Vedic society is organized by what we call the caste system. Puja Swami described the four kinds of caste, Brahma, Kshatriya, Vaisha, Shudra. Based on the disposition of their mind, their aptitudes, their talents. And the duties are assigned according to the disposition, the talents. And duty is nothing but my way of contributing. Thus every member of society perform his or her duty and that way contributed to the society. If the spirit of duty was there, duty means offering is there, whole society becomes prosperous. This you know also. How in the Vedic times India was a very prosperous country. In fact the reason why all these aggressors came to India, there were so many aggressions or attacks on India, is only because of the prosperity of India. I recently, you know, why did these Spaniards and all these Portuguese people went to South, why did they go to South America? Swamiji went to Peru and you know, they just destroyed their culture, they killed them. Those fellows had bows and arrows, but these fellows had horses and they had uh, guns and so one fellow was enough to kill thousand people and just a few hundred people destroyed and thousands of people. Why? Because of gold. So this prosperity attracts us, this also, that's unfortunate thing. But the reason why all these aggressors came to India is because of prosperity. Why did they go to this temple, Somnath temple, so many attacks were there, why? Because it was that the shivalinga was studded with, with diamonds and precious stones, this, these temples were very prosperous. A lot of wealth was there that they could plunder. But anyway, the point here is that India was a very prosperous country. It was perhaps the most prosperous country in the world at that time, which shows how when a society functions on the spirit of duty or the yajna, how prosperity does come. Anyway, so yajna bhodi parjanya, the yajna on the spirit of this offering, 
or contribution or the punya created by that is what brings a rain or prosperity. Yajna karma samudbhavaha. How do you know what is yajna? So yajna is punya. And that is when you perform karma or action in the spirit of yajna or the offering. <coughs> we'll continue our discussion subsequently, but this is how Lord Krishna explains how a cosmic yajna is going on. Okay, we'll, we'll conclude here. Om Purnamadah Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadhaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta Upunah Punah Ishvaro Gururat Medi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti Shanti Hari Om Shri Guru Pyo Namaha Hari Om